Well, today's theme as part of Advent, the second week of Advent, is peace. So to start us thinking about peace, here's a video from the, the Bible Project talking about the Hebrew word shalom and the Greek word irene, both of which are used throughout Scripture to describe peace. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is eirene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom, and his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. 
Well, next up, we're going to have our scripture reading. But we're going to start doing these a little differently. It's going to be part of a larger series of segments that we have called Practicing the Way. Why? Because this is the way. You know, I can't pass up a good Star Wars reference. Well, Practicing the Way, what is this? What this is, is so first the term the way. The earliest name we have for Christianity after Jesus was they called it the way because Jesus said, I am the way. And so it became known as the way. And so this segment called Practicing the Way are going to be spiritual disciplines that we practice here during service. And we hope that through the week you're doing some of it yourself. So this week we thought we'd start with our first Practicing the Way segment called Corporate Reading. And this is, the, this is the out loud reading of scripture. And we've been doing this for a little while with our online services, so we thought this would be a good one to start with. But the video segment that you're, you're about to see is gonna be a little different. Usually I read it along or Pastor Kong reads it along. Well, this time we aren't gonna be reading it. You're gonna be reading it. And so the text is up on the screen. There's a 60 second countdown there in case you get impatient or bored and it feels awkward to read it. Go for it, still try it. And this is 60 seconds of God's word out loud in your home church. So here we go with practicing the way. Good morning, River Life. It's Pastor Kong, and it's good to be with you today. Can you believe it? Christmas is a couple weeks away, and one of my favorite Christmas traditions is to watch Home Alone. It's one of my favorite movies. I love how the movie is about the transformation of a bratty 8-year-old Kevin McAllister who experiences so much conflict with his family. But when they accidentally leave him, him home alone, he celebrates that his family is finally gone. Eventually, he realizes he wants to be at peace with his, with his family, even though he has been hurt by them and he has hurt them. I love this movie because it reminds me about peace and how it's such an important theme to Christmas. Now, as important as peace is, it's probably one of the very last words I would use to describe the holiday season this year. Let's be honest, this year's been a rough one. There's, there's definitely no sense of peace. But while I hold that tension, I'm reminded that 
Advent is a time where we look back and celebrate Jesus' birth while we look forward to anticipate his return. And this reminds me about a peace that you and I can experience to overcome the worst of things, even this entire year of 2020. Now, this peace can't be found in the gifts that we will be giving or receiving this year. Nor can this peace be found in the newly elected leaders or even the previous leaders of our country. And as much as I want to celebrate Christmas with my extended family, this peace can't even be found there. You see, this peace is something much more deeper and rich and promising than all those things combined and more. And the best place to understand it is in the Bible passage that we just read earlier. And so I'm going to read a part of it. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 2, verse 10 through 14. And this is what it says. The angels are speaking to the, to the shepherds. This is what it says. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. This passage picks up right after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in a manger to Mary and Joseph. And an angel goes to the shepherds who are nearby and shares the news proclaiming that Jesus, who is the Savior, the Messiah, and the Lord, has been born. These three titles are important as they help us better understand the peace that we're talking about today. So first off, the title Savior refers to God promising his people that there would be a savior to deliver, to free them, to liberate them from their current situation of being oppressed. There were a lot of Old Testament references referring to this title of savior who again will bring liberation, who will bring freedom, who will bring deliverance to God's people. The second title, Messiah, is a Hebrew word that means anointed one. And the word carries the idea of someone being chosen by God, dedicated to God's service, um, equipped with the power to accomplish the task that, he, that was assigned by God. Specifically, the idea of Messiah was someone who would come to restore everything back to a time when the people experienced prosperity and greatness. And lastly, the title Lord was used to describe divinity. And so when the angels declared that Jesus is Lord, they're saying that Jesus is God. Now, all of these names helped the original audience understand what it meant that God's peace was on earth. Because some of these titles were also used to describe the Roman emperor who reigned during Jesus' birth. You see, Jesus was born during a time that was considered to be one of the most longest, one of the most peaceful, and one of the most successful times in the Roman Empire. This peace was extremely important to all who were living during that time because the economy was thriving, the population was growing, and the Roman Empire continued to dominate and expand into the nearby regions that they invaded. 
And so when the angel proclaimed that Jesus is Savior, Messiah, and Lord, there are some parallels that were being drawn to current day events between Jesus and the emperor. The point that was being made was that this baby born in a manger was going to be greater than the emperor. The angel then informs the shepherds where they would find this baby and proclaim this praise in verse 14. I'm going to read it again. Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Even though the people during that time were experiencing peace, yet the angels were informing them that a greater peace had come in Jesus. The peace that the author refers to comes from the Hebrew word shalom. And we can spend the next month talking about shalom and still not fully understand it. So in the simplest form, in the simplest sense, this idea of peace in the Bible, this idea of shalom, refers to the idea of complete or whole, like the Bible project video that we just watched. Shalom isn't just the absence of conflict, but it's restoring what is broken to wholeness. Let me say it again. Shalom is not just the absence of conflict, but is restoring what is broken to wholeness. Some scholars believe that shalom is used in a variety of ways that talk about wholeness in reference to prosperity among those who believe in God and even to those who don't believe in God. It talks about wholeness in bodily health, in a contentedness to go to sleep, and even uh, a wholeness at death. Shalom also refers to good relationships between nations and between people. And most notably, shalom refers to salvation, the restoration um, relationship, the rest, restored relationship between God and humans. So the peace that the angels proclaim when Jesus is born encompasses a wide collective experience of peace, of being complete and being whole. Now, in comparison, my understanding of peace is so shallow and wimpy compared to this concept of shalom. When I think about peace, I think about a greeting or a salutation when I say hi or when I say goodbye to friends. I might throw in, hey, peace out, see you later. It might be a gesture that I throw up with my two fingers for photographs. Or it's simply the thought of an absence of a military force in countries that are at conflict with each other. See the conf the proclamation that that Jesus' birth the proclamation when Jesus is born is that he ushers peace on earth, and that means that Jesus is bringing complete peace and complete wholeness to everything and to anything that we could imagine, and so everything and anything in conflict, everything and anything in tension, is being brought to complete peace, complete wholeness. The complete peace, again, covers an array of things that ranges from our health, our sleep, our relationships with others, even our view of death. Now, I don't know about you, but after this year of COVID, quarantining, social distancing, distance learning, celebrating holidays apart from family, the election, social justice concerns, the list can go on. I think we can use a little bit of peace. But here's the catch. I believe that God's 
love and God's peace falls over all of us because he loves every one of us. But in order to experience this peace, this shalom to its fullest, the verse says this, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. So a question I think that comes up for me is how do I please God? And the answer is simple, but it can sometimes feel a lot harder. We please God by believing in Jesus. When we believe in Jesus, we understand that we are incomplete. We are not whole and that something is not right. When we believe in Jesus, we understand that he completes us. He makes us whole and he makes us right. Believing in Jesus allows us to experience peace. So what does this mean for you and I? Where is the source of our peace? Does it come from a temporary source or does it come from a never-ending source? Do we find our peace in our relationships, our financial well-being, in our good health, in material things, in our experiences, or in holidays? All these things might give us temporary peace that satisfy us at first, but true peace that we need to experience is in Jesus. We need to experience Jesus to experience this sense of shalom, this sense of wholeness. And I'm so thankful that the Advent season reminds us about this peace that Jesus offers us. And I'm reminded that it's not just during the holidays that we can experience this peace, this shalom, but in the everyday moments in our lives. And so may we continue to cling on to Jesus, even in this tumultuous year, knowing that his peace has been given to us as we celebrate his birth and look forward to his coming back. Join me in a time of meditating on the word of God over Luke 2, verse 13 and 14. As I read the verses, I will also lead us in a time of thinking through what each of the words or phrases mean. If there are any words or phrases that really resonate for you, you can repeat those words out loud. You can repeat them to yourself. Just let the word of God sink deeply. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Are you looking for something to suddenly happen? For the good news to break through into your everyday mundane life? What would it be like for you if suddenly you saw a host of the heavenlies, which means the army of angels, appearing, bringing good news to you? Glory to God in the highest heaven. Can you say with the angels, glory to God? 
give honor and praise and be in awe of. Take a moment to praise God. Glory to you, God. Glory to the God Most High. Glory to our God in the highest heaven. Recognize that he receives all the glory for giving us his son who was born so that he could live among us. Give him glory for that. And because the Savior, the Son of God was born, there will be peace on earth. In which area of your life do you need peace? In our current situation where, where the earth feels so chaotic, where our world feels out of control, we really do need peace. give you that peace that came with the birth of his son Jesus Christ where do you need peace in your life where does peace need to come in your world the angels proclaimed that there would be on earth peace to those on whom God's favor rests does it mean for you that God sees you with favor, that he has goodwill towards you, that he would send his son for you? This is nothing that you have done, but this is on God's part, that he gives peace to you because his favor rests on you. Praise God again. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace to you on whom God's favor rests. <laughs>